0: That was fast. It's usually not that fast. Let me make sure this is working. I gotta watch this PlayStation commercial first to make sure. there we are. there's me. there's me on the line. me online. who'd have thunk it? me? online? sounds too complicated. that's what I used to think. hello. Uh, that day's okay I guess. it was kind of muggy and overcast earlier but then the sun came out which was nice. I'd spend the evening out here now that it's nicer. I don't like being indoors. Yes, I'm going to teach you all to log off while you're on the computer and while I'm on the computer and while we're on all, while, we're, while we are all on the computer. LOL. <laughs> At the end of the day, everybody just loves being on the computer. And who's to blame them? Information, stimulation, all reachable at the touch of your fingers. All you have to do is hit your finger, and you can get picked up and taken on the information superhighway by uh, digital Ed Kemper, who will cut your head off and put it in the trunk of his car when he goes to meet his parole officer. Shout out to the homie Matty Gatz, who uh, is apparently doubling down on the idea that his that he has an adopted Cuban uh, son, which is pretty funny. And you know what? If if it's all true, sure, I would believe that too. Why am I going to disbelieve anything could happen in this world? I mean, yes, it doesn't seem likely, it seems more likely that some sort of weird perverted deal, especially given Gats' background, but you know what? Wouldn't it be weirder if it was true? And isn't the best understanding of this current moment that the weirder the truer? So, maybe he's 100% right and he did adopt a Cuban boy who he has now raised who was also a part of the House Page program and who he referred to only previously as his helper. I do kind of like the idea that that he did have this son who he kept separate from politics, you know, for maybe for virtuous reasons. You don't want, especially since he's an unmarried man, people would raise eyebrows. He was like, "No, I'm going to save my beautiful young nephew son Hector from this nestor from the slings and arrows of the outraged internet mobs and the sleuths and the investigative journalists and the fake news media." And then all it takes is one bad clip where he gets owned for not having an, uh, a non-white child uh, to go like, actually, no, I do. And here he is. Uh, either way, it's funny. You, you you win no matter what. Even if it's as stated and nothing he's saying is not true, it's still hilarious. This is my son and partner, H.W. Blainfield, that's funny. My son and helper. Prosperous little business. No, I would hope, I would like to see, uh, Matty Gatz could be the president. I could see that happening. I, I definitely have more faith in any of those weird mutant congressmen than in any of these nerd senators who are supposed to be synthesizing Trumpism into a coherent ideology. Like anyone in America gives a fuck about coherent ideologies. Nestor and Pollux, yes. They're going to be in uh, face-off, too. Which has to take place in Florida. Uh, China-India is pretty, fu- pretty, pretty, pretty wacky, huh? Hand-to-hand combat on a giant... Uh, gorge, people falling in like like fucking Temple of Doom hitting each other with like metal studded rebar or something wild Einstein famously said that I don't know what World War 3 will be fought, what weapons World War 3 will be fought with but I know that World War IV will be fought with sticks and stones and it turns out, nope, World War 3 also sticks and stones <laughs> awesome I would love that you know, because uh, obviously the conveyor belt for uh, economic growth in both India and China has broken. So their hope of like allaying social conflict through economic expansion is over. So why not just have a giant fucking brawl? Why not just do a gangs of New York style showdown with like a million guys on each side and see who wins? You'd kill fewer civilians, and it'd be way more entertaining for everyone else. India has announced that soldiers died. I mean, China is rel- is always close-chested close, fist, close chested with information, so who knows how many Chinese guys died. I wouldn't be surprised if it was only Indians who died, though. The Chinese military is a little m- more formidable than the Indian, generally. But, uh, making Indians mad at China instead of, uh, Muslims is probably good for their domestic Muslim population although you'd think that they could bond over their similar treatment it's like hey you guys uh, put yours in camps and we lynch ours come on Why, what is our what, what? what are we really fighting about here But I don't think it'll amount to anything. I mean, the fact that it's literally hand-to-hand combat indicates that there's some awareness of the the risk of escalation and that nobody's nobody's tipping over into it. So, remember when the Indian-Pakistan were going to go to war like a year ago? This stuff's not going to happen until it happens. Uh, and when, but no man knows the hour of the day of that. it wasn't a year ago, all time has stopped to mean anything. We're just in one eternal presence. This is an interesting question. At what age did you become yourself? Hmm. Uh, I don't know if anyone is ever themselves. I don't know if a self... I mean, a self isn't a real thing, obviously. The self is an illusion the self is a momentary uh, delusional uh, coping with the, exist, the, the, the fact of your accumulated memories or whatever and experiences and all that shit in your head like you, you imagine that that's the self but it isn't really I guess so the question is like, when did I become self-directed as opposed to just just going with the flow I don't know if I ever have I mean, I'm trying to get there, but I'm not sure if I'm uh, if I'm there yet, or if I will get there. Uh, I would say that the th- uh attitude towards death is that death is not black, it's, it's not blackness, it's not like the end of Sopranos, it's, it's, it's not a light turning off, it's a light going on, it's re recommuning with the entirety of existence, of which you are inextricably bound, and which you are a part of, but which you falsely think that you're separated from for the, the uh, period of your life, and then you go back. Virgil should be back. Um, I think I think he's he's back now. Uh, I mean obviously it's probationary because we haven't talked to him in a while so but uh, he was good on the show on Monday, so for now he's back. I would love to do another wifely solitude. I love a good uh, I love a good drawing room uh, romance. Another good Oscar Wilde ripoff. Somebody got mad at me for saying that Ohio is Serbia because they were insisting that Ohio is Germany and they have one strong piece of evidence in their favor and that is that Germany and Ohio are both weird in that they tend to, they avoid the tendency to have one very large city and then a bunch of smaller ones, and that they have a n- bunch of medium-sized cities and no one big one, which is the way which is also true of Germany and which it contrasts it with the rest of Western Europe. Uh, but I'm sorry. Uh, you can't get at that bulk andang animosity without, uh, without Ohio being Serbia. Matt, have I ever taken have you ever taken psychedelics? Uh yeah. Yeah, I think I have. I don't think I've done DMT. Somebody gave me something they said was TMT, but I don't think it was. I've had ego death before, but not through DMT. And I'll tell you, that's something. Having your, having your consciousness dissolve, having your awareness of your corporeal form be uh, completely removed and then slowly reconstituting yourself at like an atomic level, you feel like Dr. Manhattan. uh, Only at the end of it, you don't have a giant blue penis. Which, honestly, if you're not going to have that, why even bother? Now, I know you don't need to have drugs for ego death, obviously, but it certainly makes it easier for a Western subject to do that. Because it's like the type of focus and presence of mind necessary to transcend you know, the moment that you're in is very hard to cultivate. I'm trying to meditate, yeah, I'm, I'm not really getting any better at it, uh, just in terms of, you know, being able to kind of clear space if I had, but I want to do more. I would like to like do a, with other people. You know in some way but right now i just still feel like i'm stuck in this weird limbo where it's like the, the the quarantine seal has been broken but the the illness certainly isn't gone and people are still aware of it and public gatherings are weird i don't know this whole moment just feels so odd so singularly weird like everything at once and then nothing also I did see that Trump owned uh, owned uh, Juan Guaidito by calling him the Beta Aurora of Venezuela, which honestly I think we might have done at some point. He might be a listener to the show. The tracksuit is uh, is still there, but it's warmer now. I wore the tracksuit because it was the spring and it was chilly, but now it's 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 warm. I always got to keep minimal layers during anything after mid-May due to just overwhelming sweating issues. Ah, uh, the beautiful Venezuelan generals! He loved them too much! I don't want to go and kill those generals! Look how beautiful they are! I do like that Bolton wrote this whole book to try to discredit Trump as a idiot Uh, dilettante who's not serious about foreign policy but all that's coming out of it that anyone cares about is his hilarious just dumbass anecdotes where he's getting horny for Juan Guaidito's wife or something Uh, which is as it should be because his laziness and lack of vision on foreign policy is one of his blessings one of the few things that are good about him relative to the average American president The Alan John thing was very funny. You can imagine him trying to score with like Tiff the Amber Thiessen in the early '90s with that move. Yeah, Brazil is Brazil is or Brazil is the America of uh, Latin America. Uh, Brazil is the America of Latin America. Uh, France is the is the America of Europe. Turkey is the America of the Middle East. Still not sure who the America of, ch- ch- of Asia is. That was a little tougher. No, 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 no. Uh, Brits. Uh, people say what should be the Brits should be the America of the UK, and they are fat and stupid like we are. But they don't have that messianic nationalism that we have. They lost that after World War Two. We, uh, the French, have a vision of themselves and a vision of their country that is very similar to ours in terms of its, is delusional uh, n- uh, narcissism. India is probably the United States of Asia, yeah, but it, it breaks down there because you've got you know it's the difference between the, the, the colon, uh, it's development different like development levels and stuff are, are different. It's harder to compare. Italy is like us, but like us in the future. Italy is future America. After it's completely broken down and all of the re- residual, uh, uh, all the residual uh, civic religious stuff is just been completely obliterated, and it's pure gangsterism. And we're certainly on that trajectory. It won't be long, but I think there's still a few more years where we're still France. Oh man, the mask thing and uh, the mask shit is so amazing. I mean, when you see the way that that got turned into a culture war instantly, uh, it really does tell you that there is no chance for this polity called the United States to solve any problem. I mean, unless unless you really do believe that there's some sort of demographic destiny and you know all the old people dying and, and, and the younger people being less... Tribalistic and, and TV-addled, but I don't know if that's if there's any reason, real reason to believe that. Uh, but it certainly indicates that there's absolutely no, there's no solving anything because because people can't agree on even what the problem is, and and not even talking about it in abstract terms, in terms of like a concrete crisis moment, like a fucking viral pa- uh, pandemic. So now you've got mandated masks in California. But then the governor of uh, Oklahoma, I guess, is telling cities that they won't get uh, state money to combat coronavirus if they mandate masks. So it's it's fun. It's like the five obstructions with federal government with uh, with city governance. Here, good luck. But I think it's because uh, I mean why would we have any kind of unified understanding of anything every force in our culture is, is towards towards not just atomization socially but atomization epistemically Ap- atomization of point of view whatever one of those one of those corn states corn and fossil fuels nebraska there you go the one that's uh one that's governed by one of the guys who owns the Cubs. But my, my idea that, like, China and the United States are going to come together into some sort of weird political union, it's it's premised on the notion that there is a there is a enduring global marketplace, I guess, and a global economy, and a global elite. Because if that's the case... and and a a global capitalist system. If that's the place, you're going to have to start finding more and more points of uh, efficiency to to focus on in order to make up the loss of profit from the general decline of the rate. And that's going to mean replacing the competitive state framework between two big chunks, two big, huge economies, the world's two biggest economies, that essentially work interdependently one another in practice but are politically separated that creates a whole bunch of inefficiencies that over time are going to become less viable if they want to maintain a capitalism. So there's going to have to be some sort of free-trade uh, framework between the two countries, and that can only work where, in a situation where there's been a, some sort of political um, modus of enmity. The only alternative to that would be some sort of war between the United States and, and China which is not impossible, I guess, but uh, seems to be much less likely. The big thing that just concerns me is not even about China. It's just, I mean, we're going to see half a million dead from COVID within a year, right? I think that's pretty assumed now. And that just doesn't happen, you know? Like, you don't just forget about it. You might even think you forget about it. You might stop talking about it. But the reality of that many deaths doesn't go away. And the need for someone to pay for it doesn't go away either and if there isn't some sort of conflict with an outside force that we could blame this on china being the number one culprit and i don't think there will be uh then we're all gonna take it out on each other that's the only alternative I think the way that you become unblackpilled pilled is to, one, detach yourself from the certainty, your certainty of how things are going to end. Because you don't know. Nobody knows. sir shit nobody on the internet knows. I don't know. No man knows the hour of the day. And the reality of that is freeing. Uh, and, of course, the other part is finding things in your life to try to build around, as opposed to trying to wish-cast into the future about, uh, about what politics are going to look like in five years, or whatever, because there's no way to know. And all, all fixating on a, a doom outcome does is give you permission, not even to stop thinking about it. That's the worst part about the whole black pill thing. If black pill meant, oh yeah, I'm just going to stop talk, thinking about politics and just like live my life, that would probably be more. That would be better for people than what they do, which is that they organize their life around this sort of doom concept that they're not doing anything about. Like, how many black-billed people are preppers? How many black-billed people are significantly trying to figure out a way to, you know, have a... Uh, to survive some sort of coming ap- apocalypse? Or have made the choice that, oh, if things go to hell, I'm just gonna kill myself. I don't think most of them do. I think what they do is they use it as, a, as an ad hoc justification for anything. Uh, but what that usually ends up being is self indulgence in a self destructive way. I think having a kid, honestly, people ask about having kids. I think having a kid is a good uh, antidote to the to, to blackpilling because you have someone you have to be there for and you have someone you have to imagine a future for. And you know, people have had children in every Condition possible in this world now and in the past, and uh, and assuming that you can't bring someone into this world is is once again assuming a degree of foresight that is foolhardy. You you, you can't know things that that closely. You you can't have any kind of surety of what's going to happen. And even if it happens, the idea that there's going to be some sudden apocalyptic culling of human life seems very unlikely. Of all, of all the scenarios, that seems like the least likely we want. And so, in the meantime, you have to live. And denying yourself essential parts of life to prevent some future calamity from happening will only ensure that your life is stunted. Has there ever been a realistic uh, ooh, this is a good one, actually. This, this I can say something I would want to think more about. Uh, has there ever been a realistic and satisfying solution to nepotism? Uh, okay. This is something that Bakunin said, Bakunin suggested. And I'm always with Marx over Bakunin in their conflicts, mostly because Marx was speaking from the, the mid 19th century. And Bakunin, being from Russia, was speaking from like the 16th century. But Bakunin's insight that inheritance is one of the foundational uh, pillars of exploitation under capitalism is absolutely true. And if you can't, if you couldn't abolish capitalism, which I think you could, uh, the only way you could make it work in any way like it's supposed to in any of the schemes and theories of of pro-capitalist ideologues is if you abolish inheritance completely in every way. Like you cannot transfer any money or property or capital of any kind to your kids or anybody you don't get to pick. You die, it all goes to the state. All property, all money goes to the state on your death. And the funny thing is, is that you can't really argue against that on any kind of Liberty grounds because you have free liberty to make as much money as you want. Uh, once you're dead, the idea that you get to carry out, that the state should carry out orders on behalf of a dead guy regarding like the disposal of huge amounts of capital, that's absurd. So if you wanted to get rid of nepotism, Uh, without abolishing capitalism. A good first step would be just making it impossible for people to inherit. Wouldn't that lead to people spending all their money before they died? Okay, what's wrong with that? Builds the economy. What you don't have is you don't have generational wealth being transferred. You don't have people able to rest on their parents' pile of money to be able to uh, explore creative endeavors like that's why all the Hollywood everyone in Hollywood now when any kind of position of creative prominence is somebody's kid because the only people who can afford the risk of attempting to do an artistic life are people who have backup who have a lot of money to to fall back upon And if you didn't have that, then maybe it would be less reproducing of, of, uh, of wealth the way it is now. Exactly. It would be basically legislating the veil of ignorance. And if you're going to do, you know, liberal capitalism, you need to do something like that to even come close to approximating the way that this system is supposed to work, the way that the, the relationship between an employer and employee is supposed to be an equal uh, negotiation which of course is a f- hilarious fraud because of the existing debt ledgers everyone carries around with them that are passed on from generation to generation they would have to be wiped eternally wiped but that is not going to happen uh, and then uh, Honestly, just get rid of capitalism. Why do the British people get mad when their celebs dodge taxes and we don't? Well, the important thing to remember is it doesn't change anything that they get mad about it. How hot are the Venezuelan generals? I haven't actually taken a look. I haven't taken a look at any of the handsome Venezuelan generals. I'm going to take a look. All right, I'm going to see some Venezuelan generals here. Oh, and by the way, the other thing that goes with all of that money being taken at death is that there are, uh, instead of inheritance, there is a fucking safety net. So the idea that, oh, uh, you know, somebody who is in the prime of urban years dies and their family is left without anything, no. It just wouldn't be provided by this, this clan, essentially clan style of, of resource hoarding going to be administered by by an agreed-upon framework. All right. Uh, Does anybody know any uh, Venezuelan generals I could look up? Because, all right, I'm going to the Wikipedia page for the Venezuelan generals. All right. Uh, It looks like the guy in charge is Vladimir Padrino Lopez. I'm going to take a look at him. Yeah, he's not that bad looking. Uh, he kind of. He's got the Silver Panther uh, sort of a George Clooney thing, kind of like a, a less attractive Clooney. He's okay. I don't think he's as handsome as our generals, I'll tell, I'll tell you that. I think our generals are much more attractive. All right. And then there's Admiral Ramigo Sabalo. So let's check him out. Or Sabayo rather. He kind of looks like Curtis Slewa. Uh, yeah, he's alright. I mean, I gotta say, I've seen more handsome generals. Not gonna lie. I've seen handsomer generals than what Venezuela's working with. All right. There are no Joe stack I'll say that. But then again, the admirals always were more handsome than the generals. I'm gonna get yelled at now for saying that the Venezuelan generals aren't that hot. I'm betraying critical solidarity with the Venezuelan Bolivarian revolution by not saying that their generals are the hottest of all time. I don't know why Amber mentioned the Ho Chunk. I was surprised by it as well. Uh, in Wisconsin, you know what uh, what Native American tribes live there by uh, what casinos are there, because there's the Monami Casino in Milwaukee, there's Ho Chunk Casino in northern Wisconsin, there's a few more. Even though all half most of the town names are uh, native Native words. You don't learn a lot about him. Let's just say that. People keep asking when Biden's going to announce his VP pick, but they generally don't do it historically until right before the convention. So it'll be a while if if they stick with that. I've never been to Foxwoods, no. I've been to the Monotomy Casino in uh in Milwaukee though. Played bingo there. Uh. Yes, lock to flambeau. Kamala I think it, I think I think Kamala's the safe choice, so that's probably who they're going to go with. Because they're looking at those polls and they feel like they got this thing in the bag. So they're going to do the uh, lowest risk maneuver they can. And, they, and a presidential campaign-vetted uh, senator is a good one. Even though nobody likes her. She doesn't excite anybody. Just like Kim, Tim Kaine. They figure they don't need that. And honestly, they might be right. I mean, the the way things are looking now, I really don't see barring a complete collapse by Biden in, in, like, physical and mental, which I think they're going to keep him zapped up on enough anticoagulants and uh, giving him, like, ground-up rhino horn and adrenochrome and, and donkey tranquilizers that he will make it through. Although I do kind of think that he will not debate Trump. I, I, I still kind of have a, have, a, have a feeling that there's no way we get the Trump-Biden- race that we all want or the Trump Biden debate that we all want so I was for a while thinking that Trump wouldn't debate Biden but I think he will because hey sleepy Joe it'd be great to own him Biden I think has a real danger about well what if he has like a pants shit moment what if he has a a real wool gathering like Stockdale in 92 thing where he just kind of clips out that could genuinely risk him so maybe they figure out a way to say we're not debating Trump, we're not going to platform this fascist. Like, think about that. If Biden said in September we're not going to debate because we don't want to platform this uh, this fascist monster, how would the how would the media respond to that? They would say he's right because how can you argue after having spent four years making that argument about platforming? How do you say that he's wrong, especially if you're rooting for him? You don't. He would get he would get off. Aw- he would get a media reprieve for being the first president presidential candidate since uh, I think Nixon to refuse to debate. All I know is there's no way we get it. There's no way we get a great debate like that. Either they switch him out somehow because he's he's literally dying or or he cancels them. I just can't imagine. I guess oh god, there's one more even worse option, one more even more depressing option, and honestly now I'm thinking it's more even likely than that is that they do debate and it sucks. They have a debate and it's just boring. They both read from the prompters, they hit their cues, none of them go off on tangents, none of them start really riffing on corn pop or hanging out with Cheryl Teagues at the Model Cafe and it's it's just another political uh, debate. That would be the uh, and that would be the grimmest possible outcome and that's why that's why I think it's probably going to happen. More likely than anything. And that's why we're not going to get the, the, the son's debate as much as that would be amazing. Trump, Don Jr. versus Hunter, that would be that would be truly transcendent. Maybe in four years when Don Jr. runs for president, and then maybe Hunter can run against him. Because we know Hunt, Biden's only going to do one term. Maybe he anoints his son as his successor, like he wanted to do with Bo. Maybe he just says, fuck it. He's 82 years old, he just leers it up and goes, here, we're giving it to... We're giving all that shit to... Uh, we're giving the patch of to Hunter. That would be great. And That would be wonderful. We would love to see it. I don't think they're going to... to I don't think the, the election will be postponed. I just don't think that it will be have popular legitimacy. And people say, well, that happened in 2002, but in 2000, we were at the end of the 90s boom. The tech bubble hadn't even burst yet. There were no conditions for anybody to do anything other than kind of mutter vaguely that that was bullshit. If that happened now, in the middle of what will still be happening, which will be pandemics and and civil unrest, I don't know what happens. But there is a chance everyone's just too tired everyone's too tired to give a shit about an election because their concerns have transcended the theater of politics and politics has become fused with their daily lives is George Saunders a liberal? probably, I think so, yeah I think most writers are most artists are, are the ones who aren't Nazis it's fine very good though I like his work a lot What happens? Yeah, what happens if turnout is less than fifty percent, which I think could very well happen? Uh, nothing. Although Virgil, we'll, we'll be talking in an episode soon about this. Virgil is, is very convinced that there's going to be like a big surge in turnout uh, in November uh, because all all the people who who are sort of constitutionally liberal or left or anti-republican who Kind of pay, tuned out in 2016, are going to fucking like make voting this time a priority. Uh, and you know, maybe I have no idea. I have I have given up prognostication on that that kind of thing. We'll probably talk more about the Senate because the Senate's pretty interesting. Got a lot of toss-ups. And I think it would be pretty, pretty funny if Biden won in a landslide, got back the Senate, and then did nothing. In the middle of a, in the, in the middle of a Great Depression-level economic collapse, like extended unemployment for an extra six weeks or something. And that's it. Other than that, he's the hunger chancellor. I'm I'm glad Booker is doing better than uh, McGrath, and I hope he beats her, but mostly just so that in the unlikely event that you have some sort of massive wave election, an unprecedented big surge, which, once I, like I said, is not unheard of and not impossible, that McConnell could lose. And in that situation, you want a better person than McGrath, certainly, to be the potential beneficiary of that. People keep saying they're not going to extend anything past July, but I really don't think they're going to let that happen in an election year. Because at the end of the day, these people are politicians. And the money is free money. Right? There's no real extending unemployment, extending the checks, it's not really, and other than like in, in a vague sense of offending uh, 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 sort of I, uh, in offending like the mores of, of the the, 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 the the manners of Washington and their weird fixation on deficits and stuff, uh, it's not actually going to cause any real conflicts. And it's going to be what the business community is going to want. Because you need to have fucking consumer base to have a consumer economy. So people need money. And you can just print more. There's no inflation right now. So the idea that they're just going to say, no, we're not going to extend anything at the end of July... And we're going to precipitate after we've already seen this massive wave of uh of civil unrest now. It just doesn't seem I don't understand what would stop it from happening. And the only thing people have been able to tell me is, well, they want to make some sort of evil, cruel point. No, they want to get reelected. And their their bosses want to make money. And that's going to depend on there still being a United States, <laughs> which might not happen if you stop paying people in July with a COVID once again out of control. What they're going to do, though, is they're going to wait until the very last minute to do it. They're not going to do it until until it's the midnight of, so that it's on their terms. Anyway, maybe I'm wrong on that, but I just don't see what would be the, the material intercession that would prevent them from just cutting more checks to keep the economy from completely collapsing. I mean, it's a fucking election here. I mean, they still want to get reelected, you know. Yeah, exactly. July thirty-first at eleven fifty-eight, they'll like put through more checks because they don't want anybody to get used to it. The world is both incredibly boring and incredibly exciting. Absolutely, because we're in a moment of deep crisis, and we recognize the crisis, and we're all in awe of seeing verities that we've taken for granted our entire lives crumble before our eyes but the lived experience of that is looking at a fucking screen for most people that's weird their base will yell at them? They love money. Everyone loves money. The base doesn't give a shit. No one gives a shit on the right wing. No one gives a shit at all about the deficit. No actual conservatives except for a few cranks. Certainly nobody, nobody in government and very few people who vote actually care about deficits. And the only people who actually care about deficits are Democrats. Because the way you know what people believe in is how they act. And Democrats in power cut cut, uh, cut budgets. Republicans in power spend because Republicans don't really believe in deficit. that deficits are bad or to be avoided or have any kind of long-term bad effect on the economy. And I think the reason for that is that Republicans also believe in this country more. As in, they believe in the endurance of American military and political influence and economic and, and industrial and all that. They believe that America will never not be the first among equals of world powers. And as long as that's the case, there really is no danger of some sort of uh, debt crisis in America, cuz who's going to call it in? On behalf of whom? As long as America is the dollar denomination for uh, the dollar's denomination for the world uh, energy economy, and as long as the US military is the guarantor of market stability everywhere in the world, there's going to be absolutely nobody to tell us we can't borrow money anymore. Because if we need it, then that means this country needs it to stay up, to stay open, and they need the country to stay open. And they and, and Republicans believe that deeply, that, you know, as part of the armature of their ideology that America is this enduring internal creature. Uh, they lie and say otherwise because you know, they, they want to game it to their advantage and they want to use it as an excuse to not fund social programs and to maintain wealth disparities. Democrats, on the other hand, I think are more skeptical of America's enduring role in the world. And they think there is a, there is a situation where these debts could get called in. And so you should be wary about running up too much. What's going to happen when massive hurricanes start destroying the East Coast in a few months? Is that... Wh- how do you say something like that with total confidence? No wonder you people are fucking blackpilled. You've all convinced yourself of things that are going to happen. Like, fucking meteorology? Are you fucking kidding me? I mean, obviously, climatology is like a science, but like, who the fuck knows what kind of fucking hurricane season we're going to have? You're just like, yeah, so every, uh, the entire East Coast is going to be destroyed by hurricanes in three months. How the fuck You're just telling this stuff to yourself so you can, what, get off on it or something? Or excuse why you're ordering Taco Bell for the fourth day in a row? Okay, the forecast is an above-average hurricane season. Alright, how does that correspond to East Coast destroyed by hurricanes? Are those commensurate concepts? I just think that that's very indicative of the general black pill concept. You you extrapolate wildly from current conditions without knowing what future conditions are going inter- to how future conditions are going to intercede, because things are never the thing. The, the moment that you're imagining is going to have things in it that you can't can you cannot predict by definition, because it's the future. All those things are here now, and they're going to determine it, but nobody knows because nobody has perfect knowledge. Maybe someday you'll have an algorithm that will tell you every, every element that goes into every decision. You'll have a perfect model of the universe. You'll have Mentaculous. And you can make a million dollars in the stock market every minute. And, uh, and you can, you can become, you could have the Oculus Infernum from 13 Ghosts and just see the facts and the future and everything. But for now, that does not exist. If I had five minutes with Trump alone, what would I do with him? I'd probably make out with him. He would freak out. It'd be hilarious. And I could get freaking Cheeto dust in my beard. The worst job I ever had was uh, one I had briefly. I worked for a company that would contract to do uh, inventory for real, real, uh, retail stores. They would set up a thing where there's uh, like barcodes on all the products, and you would have to run all of them on a barcode reader, and then it would tell you how many of uh, X,Y,Z uh, uh, products they have in stock. It was really bad for my bad back. I have a pretty, I have like a herniated disc that's like the size of a fucking uh, uh, catcher's mitt. And it really, really did the number on my back. I had to quit actually, cause it was, I would come home and I couldn't move. Regis, yes, it was Regis. That was it, yep. RGIS, baby. Oh man, barcode satanism was so cool. That the movie Naked talks about that. David Thule says a whole thing where he talks about the 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 barcode thing. I don't know. The whole the whole revelation seems so cute now. That was that was literally millennial movement, like the whole left behind evangelical notion. Does anybody believe that anymore? Do even evangelicals believe that anymore? I don't know. That's back best job I've ever had well what do you think being a freaking podcaster I'm sure they still believe that stuff evangelicals but it certainly doesn't seem like it has as much of a cultural uh, imprint as it used to I honestly don't even think Trump would contest the election. I mean, did you see that tweet where he said, or that interview where he said, they asked him what if he loses, and he says, Uh, eh, you know, probably goes through something else. He doesn't like being president. I mean, that's clear. If he has an out, I think he would take it. The question is whether his supporters would accept it. And at that level, the question isn't really, like, his... Supporters as an aggregate group because they're mostly lazy suburbanites. I mean, like, are there any state governors who are going to kind of try to take a mantle of denying the, uh, F- the legitimacy of the election? Because these guys can control uh, National Guards and stuff. That would be interesting. I got a total bathroom here, So Give me 2700 I'll it out see so, yeah, all right someone says I' not sure about extended unemployment I think it's philosophical nope nope philosophical philosophical. They want to make money. All the ideology stuff is is, is trellis. It's all it's all uh, it's trellis. It's ivy. It's it's decorative. And you can't make money if there's no economy, and we're already seeing an uptick in the unemployment now, even after the the bounce back, uh, and the the degree to which spending is completely correlating to. Uh, access to this federal money means that its absence, especially in a a time when you've lifted uh, protections for renters and stuff like that. I just don't see this percentage in it, I guess is my saying. I think anybody who's talking about these things ideologically and says, oh, this goes against X, Y, or Z principle is missing the point. They don't have principles. Yeah. See, that's the thing. As somebody points out, is that restaurants that we're opening are now closing again, not because of any order, stay-at-home order, but because everyone's getting sick, uh, and that's going to keep happening. And even the even the even the psychic rupture of the of the quarantine mindset isn't going to change that. Where would I like to live in if not here? I, I've said before, but I think Pittsburgh would be cool. Maine is nice. Northern Wisconsin, my 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 home state, is very pretty. Syracuse is terrible. I'll keep that in mind. I do not hate the South. It all became a joke because Southerners got too demanding about us coming there. Is so that then we decided to troll them. It is too warm for me, I will say that. The South is too humid for me to be there for any extended amount of time. Humidity is my nemesis in life. Uh, the Pacific Northwest is nice, but there's that fault line. Kind of freaks me out a little bit. Florida is one of those states where I honestly cannot believe anyone even ever goes with their own volition. Absolutely baffling to me. Just the air dense and thick slabs of of condensed hot water that you're just kind of swimming through. T-shirt shops, palm trees, everything that was naturally beautiful just bulldozed under to create subdivisions for dying uh, old people. Grim. Grim. No, thank you. Palmetto bugs? Flying cockroaches? No, thank you. Check, please. Matt Gatz? No, thank you. Rick Scott? Good lord. You guys have fucking elected Skeletor to that governor and senator. Come on. Yurts are cool. I've I've gone to I've I've rented a yurt a couple times and I got to say the yurt is a good is a good those mongols knew what they were doing. So it's a good way to it's a good way to chill. Now, okay, they might set they might reduce the amount of money they give people. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they did that. Uh and then see if it's enough and if it isn't throw some more but i can see them definitely like tacking back on the amount that they give uh but it, there's still gonna have to be another there has gonna have to be another tranche of dispersed monies i have not eaten an olive garden in a very long time olive garden is really actually terrible i'll stand for a number of the of, ch- of, of chain family restaurants and darden group restaurants texas roadhouse isn't bad Outbacks, Outbacks okay. Um, Red Lobster is pretty good. I mean, especially if you're not close to the coast, it's not bad. Uh, Chili's fine. Applebee's okay, but Olive Garden is dreadful. The only good thing at Olive Garden are like the fucking calamari and the breadsticks. That's it. The idea of eating an entire plate, like an entree at Olive Garden, genuinely (laughs) nauseating. Like, that's one of those situations where I would have to be paid to go there. Because, yeah, I could have apps at Olive Garden, but I am not sitting before a plate of their pasta? Oh, God, the portions are so big. Oh, boy, I'm getting nauseous just thinking about it, and I haven't even eaten dinner yet. Well, if the economy is in an unstoppable be- death spiral, then what are you doing in your house, I guess? And that's the question I should ask myself. What are any of us doing? I'm cooking a little bit. I'm grilling, certainly. Perkins is definitely better than Denny's, but I'm going to admit, even as a Midwesterner, Waffle House is better than either. Waffle House is by far the best of the regional Diner chains. They got, they got. The thing is, they got the gravy, you know, and you can get it on the hash browns any way you want. Nobody else can compare. Poor Bill Oakley, I would love to talk to him again, but he's been having to just like eat food that people made him and make his own burgers since quarantine. What, see, this is what I think is most likely to happen, right here. What if things just sort of plateau, and even the perpetual weirdness is absorbed into malaise? That's what's going to happen, until it can't happen anymore. And that's when I talk about, that's why you can't be blackpilled or anything, because we are clearly in a, in a critical decline phase of the American experiment. There's no question about that. But those decline phases can last a very long time, and they can end very abruptly, or they can sort of be soothed out, like the, the cycles of of, uh, of modern historical empires that have lost their their preeminence, like the Dutch, the British, the Spanish. They did not involve a wholesale like uh, collapse of the polity that they uh, um, originated in, you know. But they uh, but they also were not the point of a global. Market, which the United States is for the first time, uh, and that's the difference. But I, I, I—all you can do is—is—is is, is look after the moment. Look at what's around you. Uh, I said this on the Jackman uh, stay-at-home thing we did yesterday with Amber about the internet, but I wanted to run this guy by you guys. This this metaphor I thought of. Political activism—the act of like trying to create a, a new political world in this country, trying to be a socialist—it's um, like building a ship, right? Everybody comes together, and through the trial and error of doing it, and with some with some uh, blueprints, you build a damn ship. You trim the you trim the keel. You learn how to stand up the masts and all that stuff. Uh, and at the end of it, you have a boat that could go in the water and maybe get you somewhere. And what the internet does is the internet tells you that it's teaching you how to build a ship. You spend all that time on the internet thinking you're learning how to build a ship. But what you're not, that's not what you're doing. What you're actually doing is you're building a ship in a bottle. You're building a perfect little boat, a little glass guy, totally intact. It's not like you learn how to, you know, how to uh, do one job to make a boat. You learn how to make an entire boat, an entire ship. You're not just learning like the one job you need to cooperatively learn to get a boat in the water. You're le- you're making an entire one, but it's it's a little tiny model, and. And when it's time to go out into the world, you don't have a skill that can be applied to the task of building a ship. You have this ship in a bottle. Everybody comes out of their houses, and they're all there with their ships and the bottles. And what the hell do you do with those? You can't sail on those. And that's... It's, just, it's, the, it's the sacrifice of temporal context that makes it so hard to even know what's going on in the world when you're trying to construct... Uh, a world out of the detritus of the internet is that you are you are idealizing you're creating ideal forms even if you don't know you're doing it and I've certainly done it and continue to do it because there's not a lot of alternatives and then you try to use those to navigate the world around you but they're hermetic and that's why as scary as the world is The demand still exists to engage with it because you can't outsmart it as much as the internet makes you think you can't. right, guys, Uh, I'm going to go. I'll ask one, answer one question before I go. What kind of crazy New Deal Public Works project would you like to see? The obvious answer is trains, and that's a good one. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe Zeppelins would be even more fun. Zeppelins charging stations and, and Zeppelin paths all the way across the country. A stately and refined way of travel through the skies. Zero emissions. And it's less uh, infrastructurally intensive than building railroads would be. There we go. Let's so catch you on the flippity flop.